a podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Today we're sharing all about authentic dialogue, even when it's uncomfortable. We thought this would be a great topic in light of all the polarizing conversations that are happening right now to remind ourselves of some tips that are useful for entering into those difficult conversations and for us to be able to look at what it means of, um, to hold our own dignity up and the dignity of the person that we're talking to up. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hey How are you? Good. Not How bad. are you, Erin? Good. You guys just said both of those things in like total unison. <laughs> Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. Jinx. No take Do you remember <laughs> that? When you're yeah. like, Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Did you say yeah. that? No. See, we never did that with the Coke mm. thing. I think that's like an Ontario thing. I, yeah, I, I didn't really grow up in Ontario either. So, so I don't Maybe I that was that. like a Saskatchewan thing for me because that was where I was mm. at the at the oh. jinx time of history. Right. Um, is that Aaron, not a thing know, anymore? I, Do I kids not say jinx anymore? Is that, is it, is it like history? I don't know what the now? kids say. Oh, no. <laughs> I that's so funny kids, people, i don't kids, know what the kids, kids, the kids say. say that's right what do the kids say <laughs> they say Gosh. jinx do they say jinx you yeah. owe me a coke and why yeah. coke and not pepsi is we it quiet prejudice oh guys i have a very uh close family member who works for pepsi so i have to say pepsi not coke uh, okay i endorse but pepsi. what if i don't what if i don't like either <laughs> that's so funny in the thicket is now getting into yes. product endorsements yes. so if oh, you dear. are a company who's yes. listening mm-hmm. <laughs> oh that's great in the thicket sponsored by you know i was oh gonna gosh. say can we say that anyways we're that's not right. sponsored by anyone we're like, just no, we're doing not. this for we're fun not. guys all just, i can no. hear is that into the thick of it into oh. the thick of it oh, do you no. know that thing okay so on instagram oh, like sometimes i'll watch reels or whatever and it's yeah. all over the place really? but i don't know what it's from oh, yeah gosh i don't either is, is it is it, it like an like, into the woods thing yeah maybe yeah like to me yeah <laughs> you know it could be yeah i don't into know the, the thick of it very well. ugh yeah it's pretty funny <laughs> anyways i keep thinking we should make like a a reel because it's like into the thick of oh, it yeah. and then into the <laughs> oh my gosh the it, you know the yeah it. so maybe, maybe into the thick into it. the thick it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right okay nicole you're in charge that's oh, no. that was perfect <laughs> i can do music stuff but i can't do reels it still confuses uh, me i'm just like i think i'm, I'm coming to accept this reality that i'm not i'm just i may never be somebody who's good at social media it's just I was born too late for that. And plus I don't have the interest and all the yeah. things. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's okay. It's an, it's something to embrace, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're turning to our topic of the day, which is uh, being uh, uncomfortable, being okay with being uncomfortable with dialogue, which is yeah. a huge topic. Um, but I mean, yes. this is kind of a fun question. If we're talking about dialogue, that's often deep things. So let's start with the shallow end, shall we? So mm-hmm. like <laughs> small <go>. talks, <laughs> if you're a small talk, what is I was thinking about this specifically, like what is the weirdest thing that has come up for you in small yeah. talk before, you know, when you're just kind of just randomly talking to people. For me, definitely bowel movements for some reason. I'm not <laughs> sure. Or like funny, like poop stories. I don't know mm. why that comes up, but yeah, <laughs> it's a good one, you know? 
I can't think of anything right now, but I feel like I definitely have been a part of conversations. I don't know if it's with you, but where poop was definitely, you know, yeah. in the in the mix. It probably was with me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just have so many stories involving poop. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm similar where it was like, okay, if it's what's the weirdest thing, it would often be something related to like farting or bowel movements or poop and part of it honestly is because because um when my mom was sick and she had the colon thing if you haven't if my, my parents are on um uh, episode I think it's like two of last year or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. yep um so there was a lot of you know uh conversation regarding <laughs> bowel movements and stuff around my house and so we just got very comfortable with it and then I forgot that not everyone talks about you know poop all the time and that's right so mm-hmm. that's yeah. true yeah yeah the, um Jesse and Kathleen from uh We Are Found Together. So shout out to Ooh, those yes. guys. They're just putting yes. out an album now, which is super exciting. So check yeah. that out for sure. Well, we're um, recording this in the in the summer and that and yes. they just put out a single now, but exactly. So the whole thing, the whole thing yeah. will be available because they're doing like one per week, which is awesome. So as you're listening, you can go check it out. So at We Are Found Together, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember Jesse, um, he he had oh, yeah. like some bowel issues, and I'm not like yeah, I mean yeah. he's very public about it so i'm not like you know exposing some some deep dark secret but um but i remember when he had a colostomy bag and uh he was and with that you can't control the sounds that come and you can't control when things happen you know so they were sitting in mass one time and these are like guys who are working for net ministries of canada like very respectful Mm -hmm. like devout guys you know they're sitting in the pew at like daily mass at divine infant (laughs) in orleans and there was some like church ladies who were sitting in front of them and so jesse bag at one point was like <laughs> like this <laughs> the woman the they all turned around and they were like gave them the look like you disrespectful whippersnapper so I feel like that's really mean if that even if it wasn't like a you know like that situation if it was just someone who just mm-hmm. like farted and that's but I think it's like, because all the guys were like Oh, laughing hysterically oh, yes that so that's why sense. i was like if someone farts you gotta just you gotta laugh but quietly and just yeah. ignore it that's a respectable thing yeah. to do yeah you that's know, right church. Yeah. yeah 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 do you see how all the conversations with me turn to poop i just yeah. like it's I mean, just natural you know yeah this happens well yeah. okay fair. so we Sorry. did like you know we we like that is the topic that we're on right now yeah. so it's not yeah. entirely your fault. yeah that's true that's true we um so the house that I live in this week, we had, we definitely had some, uh, this is a definitely a poop story. So basically I think it was Tuesday evening and my, my roommate was downstairs and all of a sudden, um, raw sewage started coming up through <gasps> all of the drains in our basement. Oh my goodness. And it was like no. fountaining up. Like, oh, fountains. oh no. Yeah. Really oh, gross. No, no. Yeah. Anyways. So then no. this is like 2am or something. So then oh, she no. and one of the sisters that we live with were like cleaning it up. Oh, and it happened again the next day. So it happened twice. Um, anyways, it turns out, yeah, sorry guys. Anyways, I hope none of you are listening to this while you're eating. If so, I really apologize, but you know what? Shit happens. <laughs> um, it's the truth. Oh um, gosh. So anyways, we've had a, uh, like rotor rooter here for the last, uh, two and a half days trying to replace basically like all of the pipes in our house and under the ground were PVC, except one section that was mm. underneath like this addition that had been put on and that was clay and that had completely collapsed. Hence the problem. Anyways, so that's that's, uh, that's my poop story. That is 
that's a little bit rough, you know, but that's I mean, really yep. wow. I, I haven't, well, it's not me to happen to me personally, but I was, I spent a week in Madonna house, like a few, a few years ago. And, and it was, he was over lunch one time, one of the, one of the priests who's like been there since its inception or, you know, like who's been there forever. It's telling me about like when they first started and how they were setting up like the sewage lines and stuff like that. Cause they're, they're, um, what's the, oh no, like when you're in the country, what's the like drainage? Like oh. rural? Like, yeah. um, yeah. But like a septic. Yeah. Septic yes. Septic, yes. Right. Yeah. 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 So, and I don't, I, please forgive me if anyone works in plumbing, I know literally nothing about this, but they were <laughs> setting it up. Okay. And they, and it, people had always been living there or whatever. And so there was like the tank and whatever, and they, and the pipe, something happened where the pressure went the opposite way. Oh, and it just no. literally, oh, it just spewed out the pipe on to people like oh, there are a lot of people God. working on it and they're just literally covered wow that is yeah. man is see crazy? like we are this is in the thicket just diving yeah. into these really <laughs> you know situations yeah. of extreme suffering that is to me that would be like the oh. biggest nightmare oh. of my oh, entire my life yeah, yeah actually okay one last story and then we'll dive into this thing so i remember john we should McMullen. rename this episode just that's that. right yeah. exactly we should yeah 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 um John McMullen, who uh, he... happens. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That would be actually, I'm in favor. I'm yep. in favor, you know, but yep. yeah. Okay, we'll see. Uh, sorry. We'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, John, John McMullen, he uh, he works as the Associate Director of Youth Ministry for the Archdiocese at Toronto. Um, he mm -hmm. used to be a uh, youth minister in Orangeville, where I was before. And I think it was when he was working for Toronto, he was, he was driving on the highway in his van, and there was a septic tank trucker in front of him or whatever that and it like leaked or something at some point so his whole car his whole van was like no. covered in crap. No. i'm pretty sure it was like the winter time and it was like frozen oh. on it oh no that's awful i know you i do. can't even I mean, you go to the car wash i guess that's what you do i guess so like i think Oof. you tried to pay somebody to to like <laughs> to clean it or something but anyways anyways so let's move from the talk of nightmares to the topic at hand which is um which is actually kind of similar when you think about it you know like sometimes in conversations <laughs> just yeah. spews everywhere and then what do you do with that but uh but to nail it down a little bit more specifics we wanted to talk about uh difficult conversations which are happening like there's so much divisiveness in our culture right now in our world you know like whether it's politically or religiously in the church outside the church with um with all kinds of stuff that's just happening you know in in situations in the world and all of these things everybody's got an opinion um and it also seems like that's kind of coinciding with this decrease in our ability to have um, dialogue or to have real discussion without reducing people to their positions or um, or without, you know, it goes into everything about cancel culture and all of these kind of things. So, um, yeah, so that's what we're talking about today is how to be uh, how to be comfortable with uncomfortable dialogue. So Rachel, you had, are like looking like you're chomping at the bit. So let's start with you. Huh, yeah. Um, I think, I mean, honestly, I'm just excited to talk about this because we've all, I'm sure we've all experienced it, right? Like the pandemic itself has led to polarizing positions for people and it's not like based on we've talked about this before like you could be a really good catholic and come to 
a, a different position than another really good Catholic and have some good arguments there. And, you know, and I think people are, people are trying to be respectful, but it's hard because there's so much passion and there's so much emotion mm-hmm. involved in some of these issues. So even just the pandemic has brought this about in a really, um, uh, clear way. Um, mm-hmm. so I think it's definitely part of all of our lives right now. And it's something that we should be intentional about because if we're not, then, you know, I think the devil is in the details sometimes in these kinds of things mm-hmm. where, you know, we just ignore, or we don't, we just don't prioritize loving someone, um, in dialogue and then easily dialogue can get away from us. And I think, you know, honestly, that's happened to me so many times. Like I have a very, my family were super close and we're all really passionate and we're all sort of like thinking, questioning people. And so like, I lived with my brother for two and a half years and we don't, you know, we don't agree on everything, even though our values are pretty much identical. And we would get into sometimes arguments that were like five hours long. (laughs) We got stamina, we can go forever. So like, I, I, you know, I learned actually in talking to my brother, how I have to prioritize loving him in a conversation so Mm. that we end that conversation having grown closer, regardless of whether we we grow to agree with one another Mm. rather than farther apart. I think that's possible. It's possible if your values are the same, because I'm talking like there, there are those of us whose values are different and that is really challenging. But right now it's even like, if you share the same values, you might have really differing positions and is like, you know, that can become divisive. And so, yeah, I don't know if I'm making sense, but it's definitely close to my heart. This topic Mm -hmm. is important, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the, um, the important questions, because I mean, we're talking about let's, can we be okay to enter into dialogue? Like, can we, can we just do this rather than sort of setting up us and them and battlegrounds and and I'm not going to talk to them if they because they don't believe this whatever you know can we Mm -hmm. actually dialogue Mm -hmm. and I think that that's really important but I think even um you know uh, I want thing to be important is well when is it the right time to dialogue and with whom and why why do I want to have this conversation right Mm -hmm. um because you know I a couple things one is that like what we know about um like trauma and uh, and repeated stress is that if somebody has gone through a really difficult thing related to a certain topic, or there's some there's some sort of um, like a mo- basically emotional stressor that's happened related to a certain topic, then unless there's like healing of that, it's possible for us to you know like I have certain things that um, I remember talking about. Uh, I think I was talking to siblings about um, like relationships and like dating and that kind of thing. Um, and I was talking about stuff and I had been through a breakup four or five months before that. This is a couple of years ago. Um, and a certain part of the conversation, like I shared something that was related to my past relationship. And then um, the person I was talking to kind of countered and was like, well, no, but da, 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 da. And it was like something switched in me where I, I just started crying and I, mm. I couldn't, I couldn't be in this conversation anymore because I was it was like I had opened myself, like shared something that was a little more emotional um, and gotten kind of shot down. And I was so, so hurt by that. And so I think that there is, um, there's a double responsibility. One is to, to work on self-awareness to know, you know, am I in a place where I can have this conversation um, like calmly and lovingly, 
or is there something unresolved here that I need to work through first? And then on the flip side, if you want to have a conversation with someone, be like sensitive to, okay, this person's getting really emotional about this. Um, maybe we're not actually in a place to dialogue right now. And that's not their fault. You know, it's not if someone's, you know, oh, don't get emotional or we, you know, we get, we get annoyed and people get emotional, but actually like, can we be sensitive and loving to that? And then be with this person who we don't know their whole story. We don't know what they've been through, right? So I think these are some of the, the complexities with wanting to enter into dialogue that are just really important to be aware of, you know, that self, self-awareness and then other awareness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's really important when we're talking about dialogue because it's, um, like I keep thinking about this one example and it's just an example and maybe people will disagree with, you know, my assessment of it. But I remember when mm. Steve Bannon was coming to Toronto, mm. he's like the, he was like Trump's, um, oh, right. whatever white house chief, I think, or something for a while. And he's, um, anyways, he's, he's kind of associated with like some, far right wing stuff and whatever, maybe we get hate mail because he's, because I'm characterizing him wrong or something like that. But, but I remember when he came and he was speaking and it was going to be at an, at a debate, like an organized debate. I think it was like the massive debates or something like that. Um, so not something fringe, but something kind of very mainstream. And there were protests outside from people who didn't want him to speak because they were saying that his, his speech equals um you know violence and hate language mm -hmm. and things like that and um and i don't think we're really talking about you know the political too much the political aspects of things today but um but for me it, it kind of helped me to see to clarify something that i think for me is important anyways is that i don't i don't want to shut myself off from things that are different to the way that i think because yeah. i think that's way more dangerous than allowing allowing people to freely express like what they think on things because i know for me even the way that i've come to think about um about many issues has has changed and it's been really influenced by people who feel strongly about those issues and i'm i've changed like i've flipped totally on on a bunch of things that i can mm -hmm. think about because i've had those conversations with people where they are hard and they are challenging and i certainly am a very stubborn person like i feel very strongly about a lot of things you know and so i'm not always the best at that about at like receiving people and exactly where they are but um but i think it is something that we that we have to be like the truth will out you know like yeah. that's the saying like the truth will out and it's that's like even been the the approach of philosophers over the centuries you know is like this back and forth and the, that's how theology works is this back and forth of like helping us clarify the truth of something by different ideas coming together and all not in an, a comfortable way all the time you know so i think that's important <clears throat> i think that it, that's exactly the other reason why why people struggle with this because if you if i am being challenged on what i think right? It puts me, it's very uncomfortable. Like it's really, and mm -hmm. especially if you're, if you are a truth person, like, you know, you know, we talk sometimes about truth, beauty, goodness in the Catholic sort of lingo world. And some people are drawn more to one of those three than others. And, and some of us are really drawn to truth. And if you're a capital T truth person, it's so funny because you crave that dialogue, but you also hate it because it's like, mm. it sometimes totally undermines the whole system with which you're thinking and your whole framework. And that's really scary. And I think people who 
our frequent dialoguers, that's <laughs> a word, um, you know, they, they're kind of, they get used to that. It's almost like working out, right. You know, like you go to the gym and you sort of get used lifting weights and you're like, Hmm. Oh, I know that this is good pain. So I'm can, I can handle this. But if you're not used to working out and you just go a couple of times, you're like, this really sucks. Like, I don't want to do this. This is really awful, you know? And I think for a lot of people who don't have a lot of dialogue in their lives, that's the experience. It's like, well, this is shaking up every, like, why would I ever do this? And I think, you know, there's sort of this tendency to demonize the other person rather than actually listen to what they're saying and think about what they're saying. Um, when I was in law school, I, we, we did this, uh, case. Um, it's, it's called the what caught case. It's about this guy who, um, you, you know about it maybe. And so if you, mm-hmm. you don't know about this case, it's this guy who was passing out literature about, um, homosexuality. And so he was, uh, calls himself, I think formerly homosexual and, and had, had some kind of conversion at, at a, probably quite a, uh, conservative, uh, Protestant church community. And, and started sort of a campaign, you know, where he would drop off these flyers at people's houses to say, you know, like, I don't know. So they were pretty, um, uh, you know, provocative, the flyers, I think. Yeah. In terms of the language that he was using. Um, And he, you know, his case was taken all the way up to the the Supreme Court in terms of like whether or not this was hate speech and this kind of thing. And honestly, I don't remember all of the details of the outcome of the case, but the important thing for me was as I was doing this study, we had a lot of really interesting conversations in my classroom because I had a great professor, which is rare, but I had a Mm. really good professor who let us think critically about this. And I realized like we have a very strong, all of us, we have very strong bias against people who speak using words and expressions and mannerisms that are offensive or that are, and that's, that's normal. Like we, we do getting offended in those situations is normal, Mm. but what's maybe hard for us to do is to still seriously consider what they are saying. You know what I mean? Like Mm, someone can speak. And and what I realized is like, that's a bad bias because there are people who have varying levels of, let's say education or, or even just culture. Right. And the way that they speak may come across as more aggressive or more passionate or just Mm. the words that they use are less sophisticated and they're not as calm in, in conversations. And that can lead me to literally dismiss what they're saying, but what they're mm-hmm. saying might have, there might be a point there. And I'm not saying like what caught had a point, but I'm saying, you know, by shutting down his speech because of the way, because it's offensive, we may be shutting down a, something legitimate. And, you know, one of my pr- philosophy professors was like, everyone has something true to say, like, e- there's something true mm-hmm. about what everyone is saying at some level. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I was really like, that really changed the way in which I interact with everyone in general. Cause I realized I had this really kind of bougie, you know, posh, sophisticated bias where I was like, well, if you can't dialogue at my level, you know, <laughs> as if my level was like the level to, you know, to have to aspire to or something. I mean, it is like, let's just acknowledge it. It totally is. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks. I I always knew that was true, but no, obviously, I mean, like, you know, the arrogance of that is like unbelievable. And I had to just be like, Whoa, wait a second. So if somebody who has never been to university, like maybe like, but they've had, you know, 25 years of life experience, like maybe I should shut up and listen to what they're mm-hmm. saying, even if it's really hard for me to do that because they're using words and, and mannerisms and saying things that I just, mm-hmm. you know, make are like mm-hmm. fingernails on chalkboard. Right. But like, 
Anyways. I think, yeah, I think what's important in that and what I want, like, what's resonating with, well, many things are resonating with me, what you said. And I think that challenges even my own, you know, assumptions. Like, I've never thought about that before of, like, you know, an expectation of um, the way that someone dialogues as prerequisite for dialoguing with them um, mm-hmm. is that, that that's just like a kind of a bias that I may have. So it's like, okay, I have to think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just what you said is, okay, you know, uh, that there's, there's a little bit of truth in what someone may be saying. So even if there's, if I'm listening to someone, I'm like, wow, like I'm pretty much disagreeing with like 99% of what that person is saying. And oh my God. But then I'd say, well, what's the 1%? What's the 1% where Mm -hmm. I can be aligned and where we can connect and work towards some sort of, um, yeah, I don't know, like some sort of, of relationship, you know? That totally makes sense because it's, because it is relationship. Like this is the thing is it's like monolith arguing against monolith is totally pointless almost, you know, I mean, whatever, it has some kind of place, you know, in debate or in, you know, discussion of, you know, political, whatever. But if that's done at the expense of, or at the exclusion of relationship, then it's so dangerous because it's very easy for me to write off an idea and it should not be easy for me to write off a person. And like, um, like we've talked about before like when I used to work at the Newman Center, the campus ministry in in Toronto, that was one of the things that we would talk about because the campus itself is very liberal. A lot of Catholic students would encounter a large amount of opposition in some of the classes that they were in. Mm -hmm. So it becomes really necessary to see like, what is the desire of the heart underneath an argument? Like Mm -hmm. if you're entering into a dialogue with somebody um, and there's a large amount of variation or, or whatever in what you're talking about, um, that it becomes necessary to see, like, to to be willing to see that there is some good there. And there is good, because I think it's very exceedingly rare that somebody holds a position because they desire to be an evil jerk. Like, that's, that's just not the reality, you know? So there is something, um, something of that desire in people that we need to be willing to discover to see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there's so much Madonna house in my, my brain right now. I don't know why, but like, um, shout out to Madonna house. And if, if you don't know what that is, look it up. It's in Cumbermere, Ontario. It's a beautiful place. And you know, if you need to think it's a wonderful place to go to. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I was there, uh, the, I was there over Pentecost actually. And the priest at the mass was giving, gave this beautiful homily and talked about, um, a concept that Catherine Doherty came up with called the laundry of love. And he was like, everyone's when people we listen to people's words we should allow them to pass through like this laundromat inside of us it's like the laundry of love you know and like Hmm. only allow what is love to remain and like pray and ask the holy spirit to help us to sort of filter out everything else but to keep what is love there to remain And then the same going out, like, as we think about what we're going to say, like process it through this, like laundry of love. And like, and then you have, you know, the best of what you intended to give to that person. And I have that image in my mind now, like, like, you know, I have this like sort of like laundromat, like 
from the, you know, from the Renaissance or something. Cause it's not a laundromat. <laughs> it doesn't have the laundry of love in my, in my being is not a like washing machine laundry. It's like so a washboard. I would like yeah, you to yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would like you to create an image so we can post that on social media. For the, this is Rachel's brain laundry laundromat. laundromat. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. Great. You know, it's an intense place in my brain. It's actually, I literally have an image from a movie. It's from, um, yeah, have you guys seen Ever After with Drew Barrymore? You know, oh, the really yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. At the end of the whole thing, her stepmother, sorry, spoilers, but her stepmother and stepsisters ha- get like banished to the laundry basically oh God, right. instead of killed. And they, and they're like, and they have to dye these cloths and do all these things. It's just mm-hmm. like matron is really tough. And I feel like oh, that yeah. is the kind of laundry of love. Because <laughs> I think it has to be a tough place in a way. Like mm. you have to hold mm-hmm. your words to a high standard and and you have to be tough also receiving stuff in because there is yep. something there, like squeeze every last drop out of it mm-hmm. and yeah. get whatever is good there, you know, if yeah. you can. Yeah. My, uh, my family has been kind of going through this because we, we discovered that different members of my family have different opinions on vaccines, COVID vaccines, mm-hmm. um, specifically, not, not all vaccines, but COVID ones. And so there's been a lot of conversation um, and it's, it's been, it's been really tough and, um, you know, very strong and well thought out and well kind of um, like just well, yeah, well thought out opinions on, on, on both sides of the thing, you know? And so it's been, it's been really tough, but I think something that, I think there's, there's two things that have, have been helpful um, you know, and it, look, it, you know, hasn't, I'm going to talk about it and be like, oh, these, these great things. And it's like, it hasn't always been, we haven't always dialogued perfectly by any shot, but um, yeah, but, uh, but one, you know, is that there's this commitment and a like an articulated commitment that we're like, okay, first and foremost, we love each other and we don't want this to be something that divides us. Like, we don't want this to be something that, you know, mm-hmm. um, and there's been a willingness to kind of have conversations about about differences of opinions and kind of there's some articles and sharing back and forth and then talking about those things and um mm-hmm. and so that was good but i think also what would happen at one point i know this kind of goes against <laughs> what we're talking about too but but that there had to be some boundaries set where we're like okay we've mm-hmm. discussed this yeah. we've we've been talking about this for for weeks and no one's going to convince anyone anymore because we all have well thought out opinions they're just different um and we just all have to trust that 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 god is god god has the last word and that god is holding us even if we come to different Mm -hmm. decisions and then to say okay we're not we're not actually going to talk about this anymore like we've actually it's like it's now like just an off topic or off limits kind of conversation topic um because it's just, we've, we've done it, you know, it's been, it's done. Um, So I think that's important too, you know? Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, that like, it's funny because there's kind of two extremes to that, right? So like one is you could just keep pressing in and Mm. keep, you know, which then at some point just does damage to your relationship because um, you know, it's easy for things to creep in. They're like, they're not listening to me or like, how could whatever. But then, um, but then also kind of highlights the need that we have to be willing to enter into those into those discussions to begin with, because yeah. that's been like, I'm not really sure what like I sound like I'm 87 when I'm saying this, but I'm not really sure what the difference is between those younger generations. Between, <laughs> but like, but really, if you look at kind of the divisiveness in culture or the I think that there is a big difference between 
the um, ability to enter into difficult, dis like difficult discussions and difficult topics between the generation when I kind of grew up in high school and university and the generation that exists now, whether it's mm -hmm. because there's, there's so much, um, yeah, there is kind of, we talk about this cancel culture, things like that. Like there is kind of that things are feel more polarized right mm -hmm. now to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think what I, what I kind of, have seen in my, you know, whatever experience of working with younger people, whatever, again, I sound like I'm like 80, but, <laughs> um, but it, in my experience, it seems like there is a real fear around entering into those difficult discussions in the first place, even if they don't have to do with issues, but like talking to a boss about something difficult yeah. or setting a boundary there or, um, or talking to a parent about, about some difficult topic that you want to discuss or something like that. Um, because there is a specific, like there's a fear that when we enter into those things that we're going to encounter suffering, like we're going to yeah. possibly encounter something that, that is hurtful to us. Mm -hmm. And there's a natural self-protectiveness that comes from that, which in some sense is good because we can't, we shouldn't just go around willy nilly, like entering into things with no sense of like our own instincts of like, Ooh, I have to be careful here or something like that. Like, but at the same time, it's not good for us to let that fear control us because then again, it's these conversations that help us to, to love. Like you, yeah. like you can't love somebody from far away, you know, like you can mm -hmm. pray for them and that is an act of love. Yes, but it requires an intentional and that person that shares a different opinion to one that I hold is just as worthy of love as the person who thinks the same way that I do, you know? And yeah. also, also I think like we need to, we need to stamp our security. I know. Okay. Obviously truth is super important. God is truth. And I love truth. Like the pursuit of truth. I'm you are a team. About you it. Are I'm a definitely, yeah. I've actually, you know, I think I'm a beauty, just a mm. smidge, mm. like the tiniest micro smidge above truth, but mm. like they're so close and I'm such a truth person, but I think this is important because we have to ground our knowledge in the love of God who is truth, right? Like if we are encountering God, we are encountering truth more than knowledge of like information about the truth, because mm -hmm. the data information that we have is always going to be less than perfect. It's always filtering through a mind and a brain that is less than perfect. And I think there's a kind of humility that we have to acknowledge that, you know what, my, my being my existence in the world, my capacity to relate is based on God's love for me and not how, how close to the truth I am right now and my understanding of it. And I think that even just that acknowledgement that like, I don't have all the answers, but I'm trying, I'm trying. And this is what I think, you know, in good faith and in fairness is the right answer here. But just to acknowledge before the Lord, like none of us, we don't have the whole picture. We never will. And that can bring a kind of compassion and forgiveness for the other person as well, who is struggling through the imperfection of their, of mm -hmm. what's available to know and how they are able to know. And I think if we're grounded in the love of God for us, then we're a little bit more free to be challenged. We're a little bit more free to be mm -hmm. right and wrong. Like we don't, mm -hmm. we're not sitting up on a high horse in our rightness mm -hmm. and we're not down in the depths of the yeah. pit in our wrongness. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. we're fine because God yeah. loves me and that's really what matters. And mm -hmm. I'm able to 
play with that. I'm able to, I'm able to enter into the world of understanding and knowledge and learning, you know, with that kind of freedom, because I'm not about like, that's not my identity. My identity is not how right I am about anything, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's really important, you know, and I think like sort of bringing those things together and going back to Aaron talking about like just maybe generational differences and stuff. I think this is even related to, to our COVID experience where we're all interacting a little more virtually, but our, our, a lot of our interactions have become more virtual. And I think that um, when we extract the ideas or the thoughts that I have about things and those become, you know, posts on a Facebook wall or on Twitter Mm. or on whatever other, and that becomes now disconnected to who I am as a person, because you're not seeing me. I think there's probably, there's, there's something happening there where like, you know, if you're in a room with somebody and you can see the person and you're reading their body language and you're sensing, you're hearing their tone of voice and you're, you're sensing where they're at. Um, I think it's more possible to just have some empathy and enter yeah. into those dialogues in a in a more human way. But when when the the um, what I think gets sort of abstracted from who I am, it, then it, it's I think we struggle. And it's um, you know I think that it's possible that we're starting to almost have people defined as as defined by what they think rather than who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and we think those are the same. They're not the same. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and I think that's just really important yeah. to note and that we might've even all be a little more susceptible to that right now because we've been more isolated and it's, mm-hmm. we need to go and yeah. be with people and see people, you know? It's very true because that's even like, it's an extension of, of Cartesian dualism, right? Like yeah. the, so this is the idea like um, stemming from Rene Descartes and, you know, some of the philosophers around his time that the real me is the person who lives in my head, that the real me is not a unity of body and soul, but it's somehow this disembodied person. And then the body is just something that I inhabit, which then becomes this thing, of course, like we can, if that's the truth, then we can manipulate the body as we see fit, we can do with the body as we see fit, because it doesn't have a consequence, because it's not me, you know, and and in some sense, um, social media is a lot like that, right? Like it's a it's it's a disembodied reality that plays kind of into the hands of, of yeah, this Cartesian dualism, right? And then exactly, it becomes very easy if it's disembodied to, to like reduce a person just to yeah a brain thought or something like that, where people are like we are a composite of body and soul, and that's like body, soul, mind, spirit, like all of these things together you know so it's a very reductive way of thinking about people um you know we're sort of we're getting close to our (laughs) our god wings time but what you guys are just talking about is actually challenging me so much because there's two there's two sort of things that i haven't resolved right now one is you're right we we're not you know we're not disembodied we're whole people and what we think is a part of our like whole reality right but then there's also the rea- the reality of like, it's also healthy to dialogue with ideas instead mm-hmm. of making the person their, I- you know what I mean? So it's like yeah, the person right. and their idea is important. It's important not to forget the person when you're dialoguing with the idea, but it's also important to remember that the person is not the idea. Like you critique the idea. Don't, don't like, you know, um, berate the person, but you can critique the idea. And I think, right. I think that's actually also that is kind of a foil of what you're both saying because I think you know yeah their thoughts are not who they are it's part Mm -hmm. of it's part of their experience and part of who they are but child of God first right and then 
but their, their ideas and their thoughts are something that we can dialogue. But then I think you're right, Nicole, we also have to be aware of how much of this idea is an idea that's been thought about and how much of it is just this person being wounded or, or feeling whatever they're feeling and actually expressing something where they're at more than actually the idea that they're communicating. Because sometimes that's the case too. Someone is dialoguing with you, but they're not actually talking about the issue. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's other stuff happening. There's other mm-hmm. stuff happening. So like to be aware sure. of all of those pieces. Yeah. See, yeah, this I is think, good. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go well, ahead. I think it comes down to just like, we're always called to love the person. Yeah. And I think that it becomes harder to do when we can't, when we always see is, you know, the Twitter post that's just a few words long and we don't actually know the person. We don't know their story. We don't know their context, mm-hmm. um, but we don't have to love every idea because yeah. that's not, that's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if we don't love the idea that a person has said, we are still called to love that person. Mm-hmm. And so it's navigating, how do we do that? How can mm-hmm. I dialogue with this idea and, and talk about it and have a good discussion while still having my primary goal being to love the person, love this yes. person. Yes. This is that. so good. Yeah. yeah. Which is, which is like, even, I feel like even in this discussion, like batting some of these things back and forth, I'm like, yeah, we're getting to something even <laughs> deeper here, you know, yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, we could probably talk about this for hours and hours and I'll be mm-hmm. interested. Like if you have thoughts on this, you're listening right now and you're like, mm, you guys are full of crap or you're like, yes, or I think <laughs> this appropriate. is to, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. We could call it full of crap. That would be yeah. a fun, fun title. Um, but yeah, we love to hear from you. So feel free to shoot us an email or uh, yeah, you can follow us on on Instagram or Facebook at In The Thicket Podcast. And we definitely would love to hear what your thoughts are on it. Um, and I'll turn it over to you, Nicole, because you have a God wink for us this week. I do. I do. <laughs> so, okay. So I'm in the middle right now while we're recording this um, uh, podcast. I'm about two and a half weeks out from my move to the U.S. And I need to buy a car because that's what I'm told I need one down there. But it's just been like one of those things where I'm like, okay, I'll figure it out when I get there. I have my bicycle. I can use that to get around. I'll figure it out because I just have too many things to figure out right now. Um, but uh, my uh, my boyfriend's dad, has, who they live in the States, have been keeping an eye out for, for used cars. And one came up that they just kind of confirmed today that I'll, I'll be able to buy this car. And the, the cool thing is, which is great. And the fun thing is, is that it's, uh, it's a, so my old car, um, before I moved to Toronto where I didn't need a car, uh, my old car was a Toyota matrix. It's kind of like Navy blue. And I liked it. It was like a good little car, you know, and, and spacious. Yeah. And this one is like, it's the same color and it's, it's a Toyota Prius. So it's a different Aww. model, but it's the same color as my old car. So it sort of feels like, you know, I don't know. It just felt like, <laughs> I'm like, cool. okay, I don't even have time to look at this. And then God just provides me this car. That's just like a continuation of my old car or something so it's just that's awesome. you know it's like one of those little things but it just made me happy <laughs> that's awesome that's yeah, so great okay. yeah it reminds me of Gilmore Girls and Lorelai and how she picks cars she picks them based on how they make her feel she just like gets yeah. it she's like nope it's not right <laughs> that's she hilarious joy. <laughs> yeah she ends up just like refurbishing the body of her old car because okay. no oh, car makes her feel like that's so funny she's like the Marie Kondo of 
of, of, of cars. <laughs> yeah. Iterations. Yeah, that's great. Oh my man, it, this has been such a great discussion. I really enjoyed um, yeah. this discussion today. So yeah, again, uh, listeners, we'd love to hear from you, but we're really grateful that you've joined us um, this mm -hmm. week and I'd like to do a, a shout out to um, Chris, Chrissy Bubs, who is... <laughs> on social media and I know Chris um we know well a couple of us know Chris anyways from the Newman Center in Toronto uh he was doing a music performance uh a music performance degree and he's such a talented um musician pianist and anyways we just wanted to say thanks Chris for all the support and mm -hmm. um and to all of those who've kind of left us reviews and things like that and if you would be so kind to go on to you know Apple or wherever you listen and leave a review that helps people to find the podcast more easily and to know that we are not full of crap truly yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> we are sometimes full of crap but mostly not yeah that's yeah. right exactly exactly yeah so we'd be very grateful but with that, we look forward to talking with you next week. Have a good Bye week, guys. everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.